Welcome to SCD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at seacoastchrist.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. Well, good morning. Hey, listen, I want you to turn to somebody and in just like a minute and a half, I just want, this is going to be really difficult, all right? You have to edit on the fly. I want you to tell your story. Go. Wow, that went down quick. I was like really into it, and then all of a sudden just kind of... Is it because you guys are really concise or boring? Which is it? Somebody over here was funny. I heard what I thought sounded a little like cackling. But anyway, it was great. Your story. So my story is that uh, I was uh, uh, born and raised in a Christian home. My dad was actually a pastor. And uh, I was well aware of the teachings of Jesus and the expectations of... of uh, becoming a Christian, and things were going along fine till I uh, hit those early teen years, and I decided I knew better, and I took a self-destructive left turn, and uh, kind of tried to turn my back, all the while pretending I hadn't, trying to fool everybody, but turn my back on God and uh, His claims on my life and and who he was, began to just follow some urges and desires and the crowd and uh, got myself in just some messes. And uh, that went on for a few years in my teenage years. And um, toward the end of my high school, I began to realize that um, I was created for more. My whole life, I'd been told that God created each one of us for something powerful, something wonderful, um, some impactful thing, not just a relationship with him, which is the best part, but even something beyond that where we could impact others. And I began to realize that the kind of selfish, self-destructive pursuits that I was going after um, weren't getting me anywhere. And I was actually influencing others to do stupid things as well. And uh, I turned my life back to Christ. And I'm so grateful that he forgave me and reconciled me. And not only did he forgive me and begin to change the course of my life and the character of my life, um, he gave me a calling, uh, a place in the world that I need to be in order to um, do what he created me to do. And that's kind of my story. And so what I just shared with you in what could amount to an elevator ride, if it's a tall enough building, um, is, is just called uh, witnessing. I just shared my God story with you. The Bible says that we are to not only to know God, to accept Jesus, to grow, to be more like Jesus, but we are to share that story with others for their benefit, not for notches on your belt, not because you want to be right or in any way superior, but because we all need Jesus. And as a part of being a Christian, we're to serve like we talked about last week, we're to give and we're to share our faith with others. But the problem is, most people get freaked out. They don't realize that sharing is just sharing their story, just your God story. 
How did you come to believe that there was a God? How did you come to believe in Jesus Christ? What difference has that made in your life? It's just that simple. It's not really that hard. And yet we all kind of get, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. Well, join the club. I don't have all the answers either. And yet the Bible says that we're to share our story. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. So here's some kind of foundational understandings about, uh, about faith that we need to have if we're really going to share our story in, in effective ways. Um, one, uh, the first one is that we're not superior in any way. Christians are not superior. We actually understand how inferior we are and that we need help. We have messed up, and I admit this on a regular basis around here, I'm a hot mess most of the time. Uh, we have messed up, we still mess up, and that's why we need God, not only to forgive us, but to change us, to change the trajectory of our lives. And so what we share with others is not out of place of superiority, but a shared condition. Here's what it says in Isaiah. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. All of us have tried it on our own. All of us have done something to kind of move that direction. And and now that we know what it means to be reconciled to God through Christ, we understand the condition uh, that lots of folks are in without Jesus. Um, we have to acknowledge that we are lost, and we have to help others acknowledge that they are lost. And we recognize that the tendency for all human beings is to try to do what Adam and Eve did in the garden, which was to hide from God, which is just silly, right? Where are you? He can't see us. God knows where you are and God knows what you're going through. And he cares deeply about that. We can pretend in front of others and project that we've got it all together and got it all figured out. We can even fool ourselves for a while when it's going good, but eventually we have to come to grips with the fact that we are broken. All of us are broken and that doing life our own way in our own strength for our own reasons and outcomes doesn't really work. And whether it's it's brokenness in relationships or it's an addiction, or it's just <laughs> that aching in your, in your soul that you know something is missing, we all have to come to a place where we acknowledge that we are lost and that we need to be found. Um, and, and this is a hard thing for a lot of people to come to. Good news is that Jesus came for the lost. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost for that, I am deeply grateful. I have a huge sense of gratitude for what he has done in my life and how he has changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, I, I, I don't like to dwell on it, but every once in a while, the thought comes across my mind, where would you be? Where would you be if, if that path that you started so early in life, if you had continued and God hadn't interrupted and brought you back to himself, where would you be? And I don't like the thought of that. I, I know I wouldn't have the wonderful family that I have and the wonderful wife and, and, and one of my two kids is wonderful. And um, I know that that would not be my story. And I am so grateful. There's hardly a day that goes by that I don't thank God not only for forgiving me and reconciling me to himself through Christ, but giving me a purpose, a reason for being on this earth. I don't always know what to do in a given day, but I always know why I'm here. And I am deeply grateful for that. I'm also deeply passionate for people who don't understand 
the incredible joy of knowing their creator. I, uh, I was a junior high pastor for many years and, uh, and a part of the residue, and I use that word intentionally, part of the residue left in my life from a younger time was my desire and my affinity for people who are struggling. When I was a junior high pastor, it's always funny because we have a big group of junior high kids, big group, and the back, back row or two were always teenage boys um, who smelled a whole lot like pot. And I could understand where they're coming from. And I kind of knew what they were looking for. And I understood that while they thought they were out for thrills, they were probably trying to heal some wound from family of origin issues, self-esteem issues, all of the above, trying to find where they fit in the world. I got them. I understood them. I knew where they were coming from. And so I have a deep passion for people who don't know the love of Jesus. Uh, Not in a judgmental kind of way, or I'm a better than you kind of way, but in a way where if you could just grasp what he wants to do in your life. If you could just experience it, you would experience a dramatic, a dramatic turnaround in your life. Also, we need to have not only gratitude and passion, but a strong conviction about the exclusivity of the gospel. Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. We live in a world that says it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you really believe it which has led us to some wonderful things in our society. We can't tell boys from girls because no matter what you believe, as long as you really believe it. We, we, we can't say right and wrong because we don't really believe there's such a thing. It's, it's your truth versus my truth. Well, the truth is, jump off the stage, which direction am I going? I'm going down because there is truth in the world, right? Whether it's the laws of gravity or the laws of God, there is truth in the world. Well, how could it just only be one God? I mean, one way to God. There's just many ways. Says who? You or God? See, who gets to make that call? Who, makes to get, who gets to make the call about a whole race of beings who were created to love and be loved by God and to love each other, who have turned their back on God and decided to live the most hateful kind of existence in many cases? Who gets to determine how redemption comes to those people? Us or the one who has the power to redeem? The one who has the power to reconcile? You see, it's so politically incorrect to say there's only one way to God, except there is only one way to God. If there was only one way to cure your cancer, but I told you there were 15, it didn't matter which one you did, it would be an awful thing to do to you, wouldn't it? The reality is there's only one way to God. Everything else is trying to somehow earn a a salvation of some sort. But in Christ, we come and we just accept that he died for us, that he, for our sin, so we could be forgiven, that he was resurrected, so we have the hope of eternity in heaven. That is the truth. And to tell anything else would be unloving. I would rather be called narrow than actually be unloving. And so I believe that this message of Jesus Christ is the most important thing in the world. It is the most important thing we can understand, accept, and share. We need to have strong conviction about that. The truth is that in order to share our story, it has to be motivated not by anger and hurt. It has to be motivated by love. By love for God, a gratitude for what he's done for us, and a love for others. Otherwise, it's just 
I don't know, trying to convince somebody we know better than they do. And that's silly. So this whole idea of, of sharing our story is really important. Um, it says that when someone comes to believe in Christ, there is a party thrown in heaven. <laughs> there is a celebration in heaven, and there should be a celebration here among us. So when we're telling our story, well, it's just how can you impose your convictions on me? I'm not trying to impose anything on anybody. I'm inviting. You can choose not to come to the party. I'm just inviting. And let me tell you what I'm inviting to. Uh, what, let me get these three right. There was, what does Cinderella, princes that kiss frogs, and ugly ducklings have in common? They're all on a journey to beauty. You know what I'm inviting people to when I share my story? Is to journey with me toward beauty. Now, I've given up on the outside beauty thing. Okay, that's kind of a done deal. But I never had a shot at that one, really. But inner beauty... Beauty of character, beauty of spirit, Christ-likeness. I am on a journey, and if you're a Christian, you're on a journey, and if you share your story, you're just simply not trying to convince somebody you're right. You're trying to invite them on a journey toward inner beauty that will last forever. That's what you're inviting them to. If we do it with that kind of spirit and that kind of attitude, hardly anyone is going to want to argue or just outright reject you or ridicule you. They may not be interested, but they may appreciate the fact that you tried. So I'm going to read this passage. It's found in John chapter four. It's one of my favorite places where the gospel, Jesus shares it himself uh, with a woman. And, uh, and she's a, a woman very different than himself. And uh, let me begin in verse four. Now he had to go through Samaria. By the way, in the King James and in some translations, it suggests that he there is more intentional than that. He didn't have to go through Samaria. He had to, internally had to go through Samaria. He had an appointment there, it would seem. Uh, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar near the plot of the ground. Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. By the way, middle of the day, hot, really hot. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So here's the deal. Jews hated Samaritans, vice versa. Um, Samaritans were kind of um, heretics. They'd kind of crossbred their belief system with another belief system. And so there was two issues here. One, this woman knew enough about Jews that a Jewish man would not be having a conversation alone with any woman, much less a Samaritan woman in the middle of the day. And so she's like, what are you doing, man? This, we don't do this. This is not part of what we do. And, and so it goes on. Um, Jesus answered uh, her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, uh, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the, the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and herds? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, here's a, this is kind of a progression. 
In Jesus' conversation with her, he just begins by, can you give me some water? Seems fairly innocuous, it is. And then he begins to kind of throw some spiritual kind of stuff in there, like this, like, you know, water that they don't have to, and, and she's kind of like, okay. I'm, I'm gonna. And so Jesus is trying to move her from a place of very superficial um, conversation to a place of true healing and restoration. And, and this next turn is really interesting. What he's done up to this point is really is, is good. It's nice, but he knows he's not going to drive it home until he gets to the point of her real need. The real point of her need is her relational um, hurts and wounds and, and failures. And so he throws this in, in the conversation, it says this, uh, go call your husband and come back. Okay. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said, you're, you're, right when you, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is, it just said is quite true. Well, that's a great conversation piece, isn't it? You don't have a husband. You suck at relationships. You're not even doing good right now. Wow. One of the things that Jesus knew is that he was willing to risk in the short term to bring healing and hope to someone in the long term. He never allowed conversations just to stay at a superficial level. He always tried to move to a point of teaching or to a, a, a point of, of touching their felt need. And so Jesus takes this risk with this woman and goes deep. He just goes, let's just go there. The outcome of this story is she immediately, by the way, in the short term, she immediately goes, oh, well, let's talk about, you know, the conversation is going bad when the safest thing you can turn to is religion. Well, let's talk about your religion and my religion because that's safer than this, right? And so they have this discussion about religion and where they're going to worship and all this stuff. And he, and he finally reveals who he is to her. And she runs back to the village. She tells everybody, you got to come see the Messiah, the Christ. He, he told me everything I've done wrong. And they invited him to stay. He stayed in a Samaritan village, which is unacceptable among Jews, for a couple of days and was teaching them. And many came to believe in Christ. I kind of, I kind of like what would happen here. And I kind of want to maybe use it as a jumping off place to think about how it is that we get to share our stories. We step into that privilege of sharing our stories. And so the, the first one is to find commonality. Just find commonality. So he's just going, oh, you need water. I need water. By the way, the fact that she was there in the middle of the hot day indicates that she had some challenges in the village because all the other girls went early in the morning when it was cool. She wasn't invited on the girl water trip because she didn't have a good reputation in town. They might've been afraid of her or just didn't like her. She was there in the middle of the day. Jesus knew that he understood what was happening, how ostracized she felt and thing. That's a part of why he wanted to restore her. But you and I probably wouldn't have noticed and thought about a woman by herself there in the middle of the day. It wouldn't have dawned on us. One of the things we have to have before we can find commonalities, we need to want to. We need to be open to, we need to change our attitude and stop spending our lives competing, comparing, doing all the stuff that we do and start realizing this. We talked about last week that if you're still breathing, if you're not dead, God's got a job for you to do. And it may very well be that today you must needs, which is the way it says in the King James, he must needs go through Samaria. You must needs do something today that God has appointed for you. 
In other words, maybe God's going to bring somebody across your path. It might be a, a neighbor. It might be a friend that, who just needs a word, a word of encouragement, a nudge toward looking at their life more honestly, a nudge toward, toward God. Whatever it might be, if we begin to look at our life as this mission and this daily adventure, we'll be more likely to find the people that we can find commonality with. We just have some commonality. Hey, we both live on the same street. Wow, isn't that great? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you find some way to have a conversation and to befriend some people. And the point of this isn't so that you can score big points or it's just living out your life mission. My life mission is to love God and to love others. And if I truly love others, I'm going to tell them about God. And that's just how it works. The outcomes are God's, the results are God's, but the obedience is mine. So find some common, so my, we tease my daughter that she married her grandfather. The reason we say that is because my father-in-law, Buddy, um, he's passed now, but uh, he, he, uh, he's from Oklahoma and he talked real slow and he had a big old accent and a deep voice and his name was Buddy, Buddy Bergen. And Buddy couldn't get out of a store in less than a half hour because he had to talk to everybody in the store. And you couldn't eat lunch with Buddy uh, in less than two hours because he, he had to talk to the server, get to know him. How's your mama and them? You know, and, and to this day, we laugh because my son-in-law, you can't get him through a store in less than a half hour. He will find somebody to talk to. He'll have a conversation with somebody. And it's a wonderful gift. It's an incredible ability. It's a gift. But those rest of us who would like to just ignore that there are other people in the world, just kind of get through the story and get it. We, we, you know what we love? We love those automatic checkout things. We don't have to talk to the guy then or the woman or whatever. We might want to just slow down and realize that people are our purpose. Serving God to people is our purpose. And just be open to having a conversation once in a while and finding some commonality. It's interesting. One of the things that I do is very politically incorrect, but oftentimes in gas stations, I'll go in and I'll ask the person behind the counter where they're from. Because there's a good chance I've been there. And at first they're like, I had a guy one time said, Boston. Yeah, nice accent for Boston. Where are you from? And I could tell he's getting a little offended. And he told me, and I said, I've been there. And I started telling him about the place that he's from. All of a sudden, we were buds. It was a commonality. See, we had something in common. We became friends. And it kind of brightened his day. I wasn't making fun of him for where he's from. I, I don't care where he's from, except the fact that we had this commonality, this opportunity to share a moment there and just talk. Find commonality. Make a connection. Uh, he says, she says, uh, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. And he says, yeah, but I've got something more we could talk about. And he begins to talk about the gift of God and who it is that asks for a drink. And so he's kind of, kind of seeing if she's interested in going a little further with this conversation. For us, making a connection may require some unselfishness. I, I had a neighbor for many years, he's passed now. And for uh, 27 years, I tried to share faith. I did share faith with him. And one of, the re one of the things that I would do is I would invite him as a retired guy and I'd invite him over across the street to help me on a project in my shop. Now, the truth was he slowed my project down every time. He, he was slow and he'd have 14 other ways we should be doing it when I knew how I was going to do it already. But you know what? I wanted a connection with him. 
I wanted to hang out with this guy because I liked him and I cared about him. And so I'd invite him, hey, I'm working on this project. Come over and help me. And he'd sit there and talk and whistle and tell me stories from back in the day. And it was a connection. It was a point where eventually, after about 20 years, I actually got to share faith with him. I actually got to have some great conversations with him about faith. The truth is, making a connection is about being unselfish with your time and your energy and caring enough for someone else to make room for them, to include them. And then um, initiate a spiritual conversation. So Jesus begins the, the everyone who drinks this water uh, will be thirsty, but whoever drinks the water I give will never thirst. He is beginning to talk about spiritual things. He's opening the conversation towards spiritual, spiritual things. And this is, a, this is kind of a scary thing. It's a risk. It's really a risk because maybe you've established a friendship with this person. You really care about this person. I hope you have. And if you have the time and, and now you're going to risk, feels like you're risking everything. Lee Strobel, who was spoken here before, has written quite a book, Case for Christ, and quite a few other books. He said he remembers the first time after he became a Christian. He was a reporter at the Chicago Tribune, and they had a crazy late-breaking news, crazy day in the, in the newsroom before they got the paper out. And he, unlike normal and like everybody else, he had not you know, gone crazy and lost it and yelled and screamed. He was very calm and very aware of being calm because of this newfound faith in Jesus Christ. And afterwards, his boss said, What's up with you? He said, you didn't, you didn't lose it, man. You're, something happened. You've changed. That's not how you used to react. Is it that Christian thing you're doing? And he said, my heart started beating and I could feel I was turning red and I, just, I, I, I was breathing. I was, uh, yeah, I, I think so. And they had a 45 minute conversation about his newfound faith. And he said, I was freaked out at the beginning. And when my boss walked away, he didn't ridicule him. He didn't make fun of me. He didn't tell me I was stupid. I could tell he had taken note of some changes that happened to me. And he said, I, it was as if during that time, a 45 minute conversation, I was seeing the world in living color for the first time. When you do what you were made to do, you were made to be a witness to God's goodness. And when we witness to God's goodness, it, you feel alive because that's the thing you were most made to do. Love God and love others, and that's how you're loving others. And so beginning, risking, starting a spiritual conversation can feel really, really tough sometimes, really, ugh, right? But it's not. It's very simple. If we love the people in our world enough, uh, as Jesus said we should, then we'll risk a little bit. And so what does it sound like? It's not like you need to be a Christian. You need to get saved right now. You need to repent of your sin. You're going to be nothing but a greasy spot on the road when God gets done with you. No, it's not anything like that. It's like, tell me how you view the world. I had a great conversation this week. I uh, found out a little bit late in the week I was speaking on this topic. And, and so I went to, uh, to a, a place that I go, a business that I go uh, on a regular basis. And, and the person there is from another country, a country that doesn't really have many Christians. And, uh, and I said, hey, I got to do, do a sermon on Sunday and I'm gonna, on, on the weekend. And I'm going to ask you, so, do you mind if I ask you some questions? I'm going to talk about our conversation. He, you're going to do what? And, and I said, a sermon, public speaking. Oh, okay. And uh, he had no idea what a sermon was. You know, he's never been to a church. I said, what, what do you know about uh, Christians? Mm, don't know. I said, are the Christians in the country you come from? No, no, I don't think so. Okay, so do you know anything about Christian? Well, and, and, he, and he said it in Spanish. And he's not Spanish. He's from Asia. He, he, he said, Christos. That's all I know. 
That's, oh, the Christ. And I said, it's not his name, you know. That's the position. He's the Savior. He's the Christ, the Messiah. His name is Jesus. Oh, Jesus. What about Catholics, he says. I said, well, they believe in Jesus too. Oh, but different. I said, well, not so different in some ways. Oh, okay. And so we begin to talk. And I said, what do most people in your country believe in? And he said, oh, this, that. But most of us, like me, we don't believe anything. I said, okay. I said, what do, you, what do you think the biggest issues in the world are? What are the biggest problems in the world? Um, nobody, and he, and he described, he didn't know the word, but he described in, in his English, um, community. That if people had better communities, they lived in better communities with better people. And he's not wrong. There's some wonderful things about that. So we talked about that for a while. And, and I said, what about you? What's the biggest challenge you face? And he's like, oh, he couldn't really come up with anything. But a few months ago, he shared one. And I'll, I'll tell you what it is in a moment. But um, I said, okay. I said, and, and I said, do you, know, do you know about Easter? He goes, oh, yeah. Bunnies, Easter eggs. <laughs> and, then he, and then he gets this quizzical look on his face. He goes, what does that have to do with Jesus? Did Jesus like bunnies? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, it has nothing to do with Jesus. It's pagan. We still put up with it, but it's really pagan. It's about fertility, honestly. It's what it is. He's like, oh. And he, he, I can tell you, still confused about that one. I'm a little confused about that one. Um, and we just, we just had this great conversation. I didn't, I didn't tell him anything uh, other than just about Christianity. And, and then I began to talk about it. I said, well, I'm talking about this on the weekend because I do public speaking to Christians. <laughs> he he kind of got that. And, and he, I said, I'm going to encourage people to, to share their faith because Christians are supposed to be loving and kind. And if we had more loving and kind people in the world, it would be a better place. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was buying that. And I just had this great hour-long conversation that I think he went away going, that was interesting. And I remember thinking, hmm. Maybe we planted a seed. But nothing else, I grew closer to him. I like the guy. He's a really good guy. And I really hope that I get a chance to share with him more, and I think I will. The reality is, is that just sharing our faith isn't some, you got to get everything right. Because what happens if we watch these videos on TV where they're arguing, you know, there'll be some guy in, usually on a college campus trying to get a rise of everybody, telling everybody. And yeah, that's a special gift. Don't ask me to do it. I don't mean part of that. Uh, but I will befriend somebody for 27 years in hopes that someday I'll have a chance. And usually I do, almost always I get a chance to start a significant spiritual conversation. Just asking questions like, do you believe there's a God? What do you think, what do you think God's about? What, what is, who is God? Where did, you, where did you come up with that? Where did you learn that? Where, where did you figure that out? Do you feel good about those sources? Do you feel strong? About, what happens after you die? Just, we, we covered all these this week in my conversation. Those are just great beginning um, spiritual conversations. Initiate a spiritual conversation. And in the context of that, you can find, like Jesus did, you can begin to listen for and find where you can help. Where there's a point of need. It might be for clarity. It might be for comfort. It might be companionship. Where my friend that so many years visited my garage... He just wanted a friend, and I was his friend, and we were friends. Um, you know, the gentleman this week, um, I found out what his problem is, or what, what his challenge is. He had told me a few months ago, and I, I kind of put it in the back of my mind. He, he shared with me, just out of the blue, my wife is drinking too much. And, and I, I said, oh, I'm really sorry to hear that. And he said it kind of matter-of-factly as if there was nothing to be done. 
And, and I kind of shared a few thoughts with him then. But I, I know where his struggle is. I know what's, where his point of need is, where God's going to probably get his attention, is how to, how to deal with a relationship that's dysfunctional. And I know who can help that. I not only know some programs could help his wife if she wants help, but I know a God who can lead him through that, how he can still be the man of the household, still love his wife and his kids and deal with this issue. I know someone I'm going to introduce him to. And just by listening, I know what I have to offer because in this relationship, whether they ever accept Christ or not, I want to have added value to their life. I want them to go away from our conversation knowing that I care about them and that I want what is best for them, even if we disagree on how you get there. Even, so there's this thing in Scripture where it teaches us that, that uh, th- there is the sowing of seed, there is the watering or cultivating, and then there is the harvesting. With, uh, with a lot of people, we only get to do one. We only get to sow a seed maybe. Or we maybe get to encourage them to take another step in their spiritual journey. Or maybe if we're really fortunate and blessed, we'll get to be there when they make that commitment to know Christ and their whole life and eternity changes. But the point is the reason I'm doing it is not to win some battle. It is to honor God, to love God and to love others. And at whatever point I find them on that spiritual journey, I just want to help them take the next step or maybe two steps or three steps, whatever God allows me to do. And so I really want to add value to their life. I want to care for them. And if I can find a point of need, I've, I've helped people build stuff. I've, I've done all kinds of stuff just so that I can say, hey, I really do care. And then um, at some point, I almost always get a chance to share clearly. I, of, I oftentimes share a, about my life, what I was like before Christ and when I was struggling, just like I did with you earlier. And sometimes I, I, and oftentimes I get a chance to explain how to become a Christian and what happened to me once I became a Christian and how different my life is now. And then I just give them an opportunity to become a Christian. See, I think that, um, I think this idea of sharing our story has been kind of, there was a day back in back in 20, 30 years ago where they give you things to memorize and little formulas and I think it's, and you need to know the answers. They're going to ask you some questions like, well, how did, you know, what about evolution? What about it? Let's talk about it. Now, you need to know enough to at least respond. What about, uh, what about all the bigotry in the Bible? Well, let's look at it. Where is it? What, tell me which one it is. And there are some responses you're going to want to have, but at the end of the day, they really want to know if you care. People just want to know if you care. And if you care, and sometimes it's okay to say, I don't know the answer to that one. I don't know. I've always wondered about that too. But at the end of the day, if I care enough to stick around long enough and speak a language I can understand, a lot of times people just say, you know, I want what you've got. And then their whole life has changed. So today I just want to encourage you not to be afraid to tell your story, to look for opportunities, because the reality is we need to see ourselves as someone who God is using. We get used by everybody else. (laughs) Why not see yourself as one who God is using to bring about light and hope, joy and peace? I think one of the most joyful, one of the most invigorating things one can do is share your faith. Just share your God story because you're not in charge of the outcomes. You just share your story. You be loving. Let God take care of the outcomes. It's God who gives the increase. It's God who causes the harvest. But who knows? Is it possible 
that somewhere in your life, God is talking to someone. Someone's going through something right now. Somebody's doubting their existence or the reason for their existence, or they're doubting they can make it through this painful situation they're in, or they're doubting they can overcome this addiction they're struggling. Is there somebody that God might just bring across your path this week? Just for you, you don't have to fix them. Just give them a nudge. It's a little encouragement in the right direction. It's interesting. Uh, we have a guy here. I don't think he's in this. Story. Yeah, he is right there. Sorry, I'm going to tell your story, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to say your name. He's right there. Um, <laughs> I watched him uh, move a special needs uh, young man. And when I say young man, he was young, but he was big, big kid. And he had in his mind to go do something that he couldn't do. And, and uh, he was too big for mom to whatever. And I watched him and he came alongside him and, and worked with him in our, in our special needs uh, program. And, and I watched him and, and every step, that, and, and he just got right up next to him and his hip to hip. And he just managed to, and it was outside, and he just managed to walk him around to his car so they could get him in and get him home. And I said, how did you do that? And he said, here's the technique. I had my hand on his belt. And every time he picked up this leg, I nudged him. I just bumped his hip. And so every time he picked up, he just went a little bit like this. All the way to the car. Didn't hurt anybody's feelings. Didn't upset anybody. Just took him where he needed to go. When I talk about being a nudge, that's what I think about. There's some people in your world looking for some answers. Are you interested in being a nudge? Just help them take a, a, de- a degree toward the right direction. You don't have to beat them over the head. You don't have to lead them all the way there necessarily. Just help them move the right direction. Because I believe at the core of every person, there's a desire to know their creator. I believe at the core of every person, there is an emptiness that only Jesus can fill. I believe the greatest favor you can do someone is to help them at least know about Jesus, even if they choose not to follow him. So today, I'm just asking to be a nudge for Jesus. That's all I'm asking. I think that's what God wants of us. And he will empower you and he will meet you there and you will find it is one of the greatest adventures of your life. So I'm gonna pray that this week, that person that God is preparing comes across your path and that you recognize them for who they are and you nudge with the help of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for loving us. Lord, some of us, you didn't nudge us. You knocked us down like the Apostle Paul and me. You knocked us down. You told us to straighten up. And sometimes that's what we need. But sometimes people are just honestly searching. They're honestly seeking, Lord God, and they just need a little encouragement, a little nudge to look a little deeper, to look a little more at the truth of their own life and the emptiness of their own core. And Lord God, to look for someone bigger than them someone who can actually change their life, forgive them for all they've done wrong and invite them to be in a friendship forever. And so today, Lord God, help us recognize the people who come across our path and help us step into it with with peace and joy and confidence, knowing that the outcomes are yours. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday morning. Or you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.